This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. The Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, Oliver Dowden, faced up to the media this morning to speak on a number of issues, beginning with the NHS strikes. Dowden claimed the government had always been willing to engage with the unions, but Laura Coonsberg questioned why the public had been made to wait for so long for an agreement. The question here, Oliver Dowden, is that you said for many months, you and other colleagues sitting in that chair, you said it was not possible. You said more money was not possible. You said you could not talk about next year's pay review. And now that has happened after months of disruption for the public. A viewer of the BBC, David from Yorkshire, has told his story. I think we can show our viewers a picture of him. He had chest pains on a strike day. He was told it would be an hour and a half for an ambulance. That's somebody who had existing heart problems. When someone did arrive, he was told that the driver was a cadet. They couldn't put blue lights on to rush him to hospital. Can you say to him and our viewers this morning that these months where you were refusing to talk was worth it? Well, first of all, we were always willing to engage with the the unions. Not on this year's pay, you were not. And we... had an initial discussions with them. If we want to get into the sort of interstenes, as it were, of, of the, the, the two different deals, I think my overall dispensation is we've got a decent deal now, let's, let's move forward. But in terms of the actual specifics of it, uh, first of all, the RCN moved their position. Secondly, uh, the uh, additional amounts that we've agreed for this year are so-called non-consolidated. So that means that they don't really add enormously to inflation because they don't carry forward mm-hmm. and uh, they don't add so much to the pressure on public finances. Then in addition to that, uh, we've looked forward to the coming year, which we always said we were willing to do so. And the number we've got for the coming year is broadly aligned with where we expect wider public, a private sector pay to go. And so it's a, a decent deal and, and I would urge people to support it. And it helps us to keep two of our key objectives. First of all, reducing, cutting the waiting list and halving inflation. Oliver Dowden also spoke to Sophie Ridge about the government's policy of sending asylum seekers to be processed in Rwanda. Ridge pointed out that Suella Braverman had only invited right-leaning media organisations with her on her trip to Rwanda and suggested that the government might be trying to avoid scrutiny. She asked whether Rwanda was a safe destination for everyone. Is it safe for everyone in Rwanda? Uh, The Home Office did an equality impact assessment for the policy uh, last year. They found that there are concerns over the treatment of gay and lesbian people there and that the ill treatment is more than a one-off. Is it safe for everyone? Yes, I am confident that it is is safe for people. And actually, the United Nations, for example, has used Rwanda as a refugee destination. And through our engagement with the Rwandan authorities and government, we are confident that people will be safe there. This is concerns by the, your own equality impact assessment? Well, I'm, of course, quality impact assessments are produced for every policy and then it's up to ministers to consider that. Now, I'm confident the Home Secretary will have considered that and I'm confident that because of the discussions we've had through the Rwandans, because of the fact the United Nations uh, uses Rwanda, that this is a safe place for people to go to. But in all of this, these are not easy decisions. 
These are difficult decisions, but they're being done for a purpose, which is to stop the boats. And we have to do this to restore control to our migration system. Sophie Ridge interviewed Lisa Nandy, the Shadow Secretary of State for levelling up on the same issue. Ridge asked Nandy whether she agreed with Oliver Dowden that circumstances had forced the government to implement the Rwanda policy. Nandy disagreed strongly with the government's method, calling it unethical and unworkable, and claiming Labour would handle it differently. Well, forced to do what? Everyone accepts that this is a major problem, it's a crisis. We've got record number of boats arriving on the coast, uh, criminal gangs profiting and um, an asylum system in chaos. But the question is, what is the government actually doing? So far, they've done several PR opportunities and photo ops. We've had £140 million of cheques written to Rwanda in order to implement a scheme that hasn't removed a single person. This is just more stunts from this government. What they should be doing is what Labour's been calling for for a very long time. Take the money that is being spent on this unethical, unworkable scheme and put it into the National Crime Agency to create a cross-border cell in order to disrupt the criminal gangs who are profiting from people's misery. That would be the best way to stop the small boats and back it up with proper resources at the front end of the asylum system so that we can process cases swiftly and get a grip on what has become an unwieldy system that is completely out of control. And after the resignation of the SNP's chief executive, Peter Morrill, capped a period of extreme turmoil for the party. Leadership candidate Kate Forbes talked to Laura Koonsberg about how it could regain the trust of its members. I think at the heart of this is about the fact that the decisions within the SNP have been taken by too few people. And I think that's well recognised across uh, the political domain. And SNP members want to know that our institution is democratic, that they can influence it, that they can shape policy. I think there's been a feeling that they are disempowered from that process. With the departure of the chief executive, though, are you now confident that this contest is being run fairly or would you still like there to be an independent auditor looking at how it's being run? So I have full confidence and trust in the process. The point I made around an independent auditor was to try and give as much trust and confidence to those that were voting. It's fairly standard common practice when it comes to election contests for there to be that third party independent auditing. Uh, and I would hope that we can get to the end of this contest knowing that the decisions that SNP members are taking when they vote is the decision that they truly want uh, when it comes to leadership of the party. Finally, German Ambassador Miguel Berger spoke to Sophie Ridge about the implications of the arrest warrant issued against the Russian leader Vladimir Putin by the International Criminal Court. He claimed it was an important move, but suggested it might also further harden Putin's position on the war. It's definitely a very important moment for international law, for the international uh, criminal justice, uh, because it means really accountability at the highest level. And uh, so, yes, we welcome it. Uh, and on Monday, we are going to have here in London a conference. Dominic Raab has invited justice ministers from all over Europe to discuss how we can strengthen the work of the International Criminal Court. And I think it sends a very clear signal also to everybody in Russia about what can happen if they are part of crimes against humanity. Do you think it sends an important message to other global leaders as well? Vladimir Putin's due to be meeting the Chinese president, for example. Do you think it will 
perhaps send a bit of a signal to countries who are perhaps not recognising Putin's crimes? It, yes, definitely. And we have 123 countries who are part of the International Criminal Court. And for all of them, it will always be a question, can you still talk and receive somebody like Putin? And there is an international arrest warrant. Um, so all of that will limit Putin's possibilities. But Sophie, let me also say that we have to look also at the political fallout of that, because what does it mean? Will this mean that Russia's position on the war will harden even more? So there are many, many implications which need to be taken into account. And you think there is a risk of that? There is a risk of that. But at the same time, I think within the Putin administration, many people will have now second thoughts about their participation in this, in this crime of aggression, in this war. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Joe Bidell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>